0: Welcome to the nourished eight podcast my name is sean ram alongside sandra goldenberg and we're here with two special guests today julian Hankey, who is co-owner of crossfit metric along with darren thornton who is the head coach at crossfit metric and really excited to talk to these two guys here today because again i i have uh, i can't say that i know too much about crossfit I have a, a little understanding, but I'm excited to hear what you guys um, want to talk about and how you can advocate for the sport, I think, better. I think that's the, the goal here. Julian, let's start with you. What's, uh, how did you get into CrossFitting?
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Um, I got into CrossFit via just being in the strength and conditioning field to begin with. Um, I started at Good Life in 2008 as a personal trainer and um, started studying hard on, on all the different sort of gurus that are out there in the world of strength and conditioning. Charles Poliquin was a big influence early on, and uh, Paul Cech as well. I took a bunch of courses with them and mentored with them. And uh, I had a friend actually who was sort of taking a different direction, and he was really in- into this new new thing called CrossFit, which Actually, it looked very fascinating initially because it, it took a lot of the principles I was using in my strength and conditioning with, with my clients, but it was more of a community based, um, approach to fitness. Um, but it took the best things from the sort of elite world of strength and conditioning and made it accessible to the general public. So that looked interesting. And then I got drawn into it just by. Doing a bunch of the workouts, finding them to be really challenging and beneficial, and uh, I also saw the growth of the of the of that CrossFit community and CrossFit as a business happening really fast. And I I saw an opportunity there because at the time I was getting to the point where I wanted to open my own uh, fitness business, fitness studio, and the affiliate opportunity just made a lot of sense at that time. So
0: so you kind of you fell in love with it once you saw it. It was interesting, it was new, and it kind of maybe fell in line with how you saw at that time, fitness. Do you have a background in uh, college or professional level, any sport or anything like that?
1: Well, actually, if if you go back, I played so many sports growing up, like everything from soccer to rugby um, at the high school level. And then I got into martial arts uh, throughout university. Um, and then at one point I had an aspiration of being a professional windsurfer. So I actually, I went out to Maui for a year and trained, that's sort of the Mecca for windsurfing. And I trained, I I was living out of a car basically and just spending the rest of my time, um, windsurfing. So I got pretty good. I had some sponsors, um, sort of like semi pro level competing. And then I just realized at some point that I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in Maui on a beach as much as that sounds counterintuitive. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as much, that sounds counterintuitive, but people were, were, the um, you know, like I just found the characters that I was hanging out with for the most part were just kind of like those American surfer stoner types. And eventually that personality just gets old and I don't know. I, um, He needed to do
0: more reps. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I don't know exactly,
1: you know. So at the time, I actually, I was in Maui, I took a sabbatical from being at university because I I was at McGill for a year, McGill University in Montreal, studying economics. And I was like, oh, this sucks. I'm going to go windsurf in Maui. And then I went to Maui, did that for a year, and I was like, I'm tired of this. I better go back to university and finish my degree. So that's what I ended up doing. And then after university, I took a number of different paths, but eventually ended up in the fitness industry in school in
0: mcgill were you involved in sport or health and fitness as well yes so I, I mean
1: at mcgill i was primarily doing martial arts um they tried to sucker me into rowing i was on the rowing machine in the gym and the rowing team tried to get me to row because they saw i was pulling good splits but i the ones they told me that the practices were at five o'clock in the morning and the freezing <laughs> cold <laughs> and i just passed on that
0: yeah no uh, you know, my one of my things that I, I tend to think with people and athletes specifically is that like a lot of people are kind of drawn to it at an early age and kind of, it's kind of like, you kind of know when you're into that, when you feel good doing it in a sport or whatever. And like athletes I've seen, they were drawn back to that. And it's mm-hmm. always, a lot of people that I know, they, they end up realizing that that's where also where they were happiest, kind of doing those things, challenging themselves and learning new things in sport and athletics.
1: Yeah. I think I think if I look back far enough what really inspired me to get into the gym is my father like we used to have hang time at the YMCA. My dad was a pretty busy guy. I didn't get to spend that much time with him, but the time that I do remember really well was you know he'd be like I'm going to the gym, do you want to come? And i would be sure, let's go obviously. You know, when you're when you're eight years old or seven, eight years old, you'll just do anything to hang out with your dad. So he would go to the YMCA. And I mean, back then it wasn't people weren't least at the YMCA. They weren't. And even still today, if you go to good life, they weren't doing CrossFit style workouts. It was more like, you know, hit the machine circuits, do some bicep curls, do some sit ups. Um, But just being there and seeing the direct correlation between doing that work and having this great physique, was intriguing to me, and then when, when I went on to university, that just was a natural thing to do go to the gym, work out, it's part of your day, you know.
0: And again, we, we speak about like, uh, you know, things we do as people to get us to the next level, and that's one of those things when you're aligning yourself with your body, and you know, you know who you are as a person what makes me feel good, what makes me do better as a person, and I think. As a kid, you know, I did a lot of those things. We played outside a lot, went to the Y, played basketball and all that. And it's a good discipline thing to kind of start early and seeing the progress of the hard work you put in into Mm -hmm. the gym, in team sports, sports and all that, and leadership skills and abilities. I mean, that's huge
1: in sports. Yeah.
2: So you're the owner, co-owner of CrossFit Metric. It's a box located at... Mount Pleasant Eglinton. That's right. What year did you guys open?
1: We started in 2013, in October of 2013. So we just finished our three year uh, anniversary. So three years in business and looking forward to the fourth year being the best year.
2: Congratulations, that's awesome. So you're helping bring CrossFit to Toronto. There's not that many CrossFit gyms in Toronto. Is that fair? Four or five?
1: You know what? It's growing a lot. There, are, there are a lot of gyms now. Um, I don't know how many you think, Darren, in the city of Toronto. Now. I've heard of about ten.
3: But oh, really? In in the center, like there's not as many. It's the more outside in the suburbs, right?
1: Yeah, there are a lot because because of the way the the business model works, it tends to need more space and lower rents to make it work. So to do it in downtown Toronto is is a lot more challenging. You need to be, I think, a better entrepreneur to make it work. Um, If you're out in in Mississauga, you can rent a warehouse space that's usually just otherwise would have been used for storage, the rental cost is very low. And then you you can literally just be someone that likes to work out with your buddies and, and run an effective business. But I think downtown Toronto, with the rents being what they are, you actually need to figure out how to make money So that's why I think there are fewer of them in the city center.
2: Yeah. So for listeners, I went to CrossFit Metric for a few months in this past year. I got a bit of a taste for uh, CrossFit workouts, and it was pretty awesome. So we're going to get into a bit of my experience with that later. I have some questions for Julian and Darren. But let's hear a little bit about you, Darren. Can you tell us your background in CrossFit, how you got into it?
3: Um, I got into CrossFit... Properly, like maybe about three years ago, when I when I first discovered it for real. But before that was I was I was training um, at a gym uh, with a with a trainer, an ex-strength and conditioning coach for professional rugby, and he was training me up to go in the in the Royal Marines. And some uh, one of the other coaches there, who was also part of the rugby strength and conditioning, he brought some uh, gymnastics rings into the gym, and he started doing he started trying to do these muscle ups on the gym. Right, he said he'd seen it online, and he's like he was trying to do them. And we both like played around with it for about an hour, and we both couldn't get anywhere near, and it was like so frustrating because we could, you know, we could do everything in the gym, like fine chin ups, whatever. Um, so then we went back, and we both checked it out, and then we came back the next day, and we figured it out a little bit, and we we managed to do them. Um, and then I just started looking at a couple of uh, a couple of CrossFit videos online, and I never really at that point I never really got in touch with it. That was probably about seven years ago, six seven years ago. Now I wish I'd. A, followed it through more right then right for what i do now but so anyway um i googled a gym and the, the local the nearest crossfit gym to me was about a 25 to 30 minute drive and i'd always been like i'd always gone to the gym but it's always like one well, i'd go to the closest gym go and do my workout and then it's like just part of your day um, try and get it done so then i joined the marines uh i was in there for a bit and then it started because it's like a crossfit of originated with the american military was it it was adapted by the american military early on so it started to filter a little bit into the british military there was a few military competitions that were crossfit more crossfit style so i started doing it there with a a couple of my of my friends um and then i ended up going to the gym that was near my parents house the one that i'd initially found and and that's where i I properly fell in love with it and i started just training after i got beat by a lot of girls because i couldn't do Double unders.
0: <laughs> you have a very interesting background because we were speaking a little bit shortly earlier. You were in the military at a high level and you were there for five, six years, is that correct? Yeah. So I joined, um, I initially
3: joined the, the British Army as an electrical engineer and I spent like, I did all my courses in that. And I I was in a job before that and I, I, I wanted to, I basically wanted to go out on the front line as a military soldier right and then when you go to the careers office and things they kind of put you in what they need you to be in so from having various like just just secondary school education but they kind of filtered me down into electrical engineering room so i did that and i was like no this is not what i want to do i'm, I'm back in a classroom you know learning things and fixing things it's that's not me at all so i ended up leaving that to, to join the marines and then i went into the marines and i did like all their you know the, the
0: training course whatever and then I spent like four years with them. So, total, my time's about six years. Yeah. Wow. And one thing that, I mean, to me, it, they're similar in a way that a lot of the tools you use to help you succeed in the military training and whatnot, you can kind of transfer to CrossFit.
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, some of the things that I've done in, in the Marines, like
3: CrossFit's nothing, right? Compared to it. Like, there's just, you can't, you can't, at the end of the day, you know you're going home to your bed and you've got food, right? That's the biggest thing. And that becomes like a luxury that you never expect you're not going to lose right you don't think you're not going to have that ever right When sometimes when you're in the in certain places or whatever or you're just doing certain training uh, exercises then you know that where you're sleeping is in a wet puddle somewhere and that always becomes a little
0: bit you've miserable. Te- tested, yourselves. <laughs> you've tested your, t- yourself to the extremes psychologically physically so you know, obviously anything after that is kind of like, all right, I can do that. Yeah. It, it is. The, the biggest difference I find is when I was in the Marines, there was never a choice. To me, it
3: was like there was never a choice. Like I, even throughout training, like you do have a choice of leaving. But if I left, I had no job at the end. So it, there was never a choice in my mind. Like they could have done anything to me. I could have been told to do absolutely anything. It wouldn't have been a problem. Whereas sometimes in the gym, there's a choice. Like, mm. do you really want to hurt that much? Yeah, you know, like, and, and that's where like... I think I'm I think my time in the military has allowed me to, to be able to like go that you know that yeah. much further without being necessarily fitter or stronger than everybody, but just having a bit more of that mental
0: desire, right? And but again, it all comes to I think to you said things. it. I think you yeah. said it and the way I see as an outsider into this sport, you need a lot of that. I think you need the yeah. mental toughness that says don't quit because you know, there's no option.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's hard to figure out sometimes in the middle of these workouts, what's really driving you. And that's part of, that's part of what they say is interesting about the adaptation that happens. If you get to a high level in CrossFit, like a lot, they say, obviously, physically there's a lot of adaptation, but mentally there's a huge adaptation. Being able to stick to your desire, stick to the end game, despite all of this, Contrary and desperate information going through your body saying stop or saying this is ridiculous Why would you ever do this to yourself? You know that 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 goes through your head every tough workout and you need to have mechanisms in place to Keep you focused on what you're trying to achieve And I think if you've built that that skill then it's something that can work for you in other aspects of your life, right?
2: Definitely. So can you take us through a little bit what i think a lot of people listening might not know exactly what crossfit is so let's pull back just a little bit first so basically you're doing functional type movements is that fair um you do it's a mix it can look like strongman competition it can be there's cardio there's olympic lifting built into it as well 50% Fifty percent men and women for the most part. Is that fair? Yeah.
3: yeah, some of our classes are heavier women. Some some of them.
1: Yeah, it depends. Yeah, it depends. it depends on the class and what you program on a given day. And but yeah, I think like we can get onto that in more detail. But one thing I want to just get out there is I think CrossFit's done more for strength and conditioning for women than it has for men in the sense that you know men were already doing the Olympic lifts and they were doing, um, you know, they were building strength. It's always been considered cool to be strong if you're a guy, but that wasn't necessarily the case for women. And it's phenomenal how strong the women are in the CrossFit world. Like just, they're just, I mean, we walk around with these shirts and it it seems like a joke, but it's actually true. Like, my girlfriend's stronger than you or, you know, my (laughs) wife is stronger than you say like a guy saying that to another guy. And it's true. Like my wife is stronger than most men, hundred percent. Right. So, and, and just, I think that the style of training works really well for women. Whereas in the past, if women even had the desire to get strong, they would try to train like, um, say power lifters or Olympic lifters and follow the same principles that the men followed. But actually women can adapt and get stronger using a wider range of movements than men. I think they, they get stronger with a wider rep range and with, with a wider range of movements. And so CrossFit works specifically really well for building raw strength in women. And you can see the effects of that where, whereby most elite CrossFitters are stronger than elite women, female powerlifters. Wow. Like, uh, not elite, but if you go, not like the world record level, but if you look at the typical local um, strong woman competition, let's call it, or the sports called Strongman, like any of the elite CrossFitters could go to that oh, event amazing. and just completely dominate. Like, you, my you my so wife could beat most of the women who call themselves Strongman competitors, and you she's so not a Strongman. You're a CrossFitter, right?
3: Yeah. You, you saw some of the like the women especially like some of the icelandic girls um they were competing in the world championships weightlifting so like and they're not weightlifters right <laughs> but because they, they just get so strong because of what they're doing in crossfit there's a transfer over you don't really you wouldn't get many i don't think there's a, a guy who's competed as a crossfitter who's then going He's, who's He's going into the, who's bro. going into the elite crashing level. powerlifting competition yeah because no. because the guys at the, at the powerlifting top and the weightlifting top they're phenomenal right and they they they're amazing anyway so it's like the, the the difference is huge but with the women it's the difference is not that big they're still not at the top and they never will be at the top but of of the individual disciplines but they're still like competitive, competitive yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah well i must admit i so i have a background in yoga like practicing for 10 years I CrossFit for a couple months and neck pain gone, like just so much strength that didn't yeah. know I possessed compared to other women. My, suddenly my upper body was like jacked. And I was like, it was strange, yeah. but amazing. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. know it was possible.
3: But, but yeah, to go back and answer your question yeah, yeah, about yeah. what CrossFit, yeah, yeah. about what, what CrossFit yeah. is. So CrossFit is, isn't anything, but it's everything. So there's no like, there's no like really way that you can say, oh, we do this in CrossFit because you can, If you went to like, if you look at the top level, you can have swimming, you can have running, you can have cycling as individual events. Then you can have them all put together. Then you can have throwing other movements like anything on chin-ups like pull-up bars, uh, kettlebells, barbell, any barbell movement you can think of. So it's basically trying to encompass as much fitness as you can so that you don't really become too specialised in anything um, and that you get a broad range of fitness and and the way that it goes back to its original roots is just to be you know prepared for the unknown and unknowable so if you have to i don't know chase someone down the street because they've nicked your handbag or whatever then you know it's good you can go and do it because you're you're generally fit it's not just that you can just lift weights or you can just run you've got a mixture of of, of,
0: of everything so if i'm if i'm coming in i'm new you know i'm gonna come see you guys what uh, what do you walk me through first what do we like what cuz give me a sense of what my weekly schedule will be or daily for like the first couple of weeks.
1: So, we offer different services uh at Metric. When when someone comes in, I'll do a consultation with them and it's I'll I'll say, "Okay, look, there's there's three different paths you could take here. One is you could get some one-on-one coaching and it's going to depend on whether or not you can afford it as well as what your goals are. Um, or there's two types of classes. One is called CrossFit Fitness and the other is CrossFit Performance. CrossFit Fitness is, is um, you know, in layman's terms, it's a, it's a simpler pared down version of CrossFit where we're using those principles of constantly varied functional movement performed at high intensity, which is the textbook definition of CrossFit. Um, but we're doing it with less of the technical moves that are less likely to cause injury and more, and just as likely to create fitness. Right? So if you're not interested in definitely this, not easier, definitely not easier, definitely but, easier, but, but if you're not interested in the sport of CrossFit and you're more interested in just being fit, that CrossFit fitness class is, is a great place for you to start out and we welcome any level of fitness in that class. Um, and the coaches are trained to understand that you know, there's no expectations in terms of what you're going to come into that class with as terms of, in terms of skill or fitness level. And we're going to help you get to the fittest you've ever been in your life over time following progressions and just you know, doing what we call scaling movements. And then the, the, the other option is our performance class, which is CrossFit Full Fledged. And there you're going to see more of the barbell movements, more of the dynamic barbell movements, specifically Olympic lifts. And you're going to see more of the dynamic um, gymnastic movements that involve kipping, etc.
0: Okay, so that's the first, let's say, gate of entry, if you will. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a newbie and I'm coming to the door. So that's where you can say you filter me or one or two areas.
1: Yeah, I'm going to quickly run you through a movement screen. I'm going to run you through a movement screen and I'm going to say, okay, look, you can move really well. You have the prerequisites to go into that CrossFit performance class, or in most cases you don't because you, you, you you can't do the basic foundation movements like the squats, the presses, um, your mobility may be lacking. In which case I'm going to say you would be better off starting with either some personal training and addressing those deficiencies, or I don't want to call them deficiencies, but you're basically, you're not ready to go into a full fledged CrossFit class. Or you could come to that fitness class where it's expected that, you know, you're starting from a base and we're going to build you up to the point where you could then progress to the CrossFit performance class. And that's not to say that's everyone's goal. Some people may want to just stay in that fitness class and many of our members do, which is why we have a separate membership for that. But um, you can kind of think of it as similar to the typical boot camp class where the movements aren't nearly as high skill. But we're still using, you know, um, time limits on the workout so we can target different energy systems. And we're still um, driving that intensity, which is what really produces the results, you know?
0: Yeah, so I see that first gateway again as like, do people come in and they think they're, they're really out of touch with what they can do and what they think they can do? Oh yeah, for sure. But a lot of people, a lot of people have
3: the misconception that they need to be fit to come and do CrossFit class, okay? Which is definitely not the case, and it would be pointless because no matter how fit, you know, we have some people coming in who are marathon runners. They've done Ironmans. They do their first CrossFit class and they're like, "Oh my god, like what is that? Like because it's just a completely different type of fitness." So, so that's definitely not the case that you need to be coming in and being fitter. But some people look at certain movements. And they will, they will say to me, Oh coach, how do I do this? You know? And it's like, well, let's just regress it a little bit. Can you do X, Y, Z before? So like no, one's ever come to me and said, coach, how do I squat 400 pounds? No, one's ever asked me that question. Why? Because they know that first they would need to be able to squat 300, 250, 200, 150, 100, right? That's an easy progression. You know that you need to do all these numbers prior to get there, but people have said to me, Oh, how do I do a handstand push up? Or how do I do a muscle up? Well, can you do the prerequisites for that, which would be pull-ups, dips, regular push-ups, you know, can you even hold a plank position, for instance? So it's like, these things have got to be, it, it, it's trying to understand that that skill of doing a muscle-up or a handstand push-up is similar to doing the skill of, like, the higher-level weightlifting right.
1: numbers, right?
2: So just out of curiosity, how many people that come in off the street can do a plank well?
0: Uh,
1: well, our test yeah. is two minutes, yeah. so... In, in the assessment, I as part of the assessment, I always get someone to hold a plank. And I'd say, you know, and this isn't a reflection of the general population. Because I think a lot of people, if they have the, the guts to just walk through the doors that, that say crossfit on them, they're already probably fitter than the average person walking down the street. We can fairly assume that. Um, but I'd say there's about a 50% pass rate on that two-minute plank. Hmm.
2: Are we saying they're holding it in a biomechanically safe way or they're holding it all together for two minutes?
1: Um, No, like I show them how to hold the plank properly before they actually go. So like you want that posterior pelvic tilt and you know, you want things to be bridged properly. Um, So I make sure that's happening and then see how long they can hang out there for. Yeah. If the form starts to fail, I cut it off there. So,
2: so it sounds like you have a real uh, focus on safety, which is nice to hear. I think CrossFit does get a lot of flack as someone who was doing it for a little while, mm-hmm. I dealt with a lot of my personal trainer friends having a lot of problems with sure. me doing it, yeah. but it was cool because it caused me to really investigate what I was doing and why I was doing it, and I think that, you know, you guys clearly do have a sense of you want what's best for people. You're you're going to maintain your clients better if they're healthy and... Yeah, we don't
3: want dangerous for sure. That's, that's
1: yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit on the topic of of, of that is that he's, he's a rabid libertarian. He calls himself, a, so he believes in free markets and he believes that competition will produce the best. Right. And so as a, like, I'm sure if you, I don't know this for certain, but let's say you want to open a Starbucks, you've got to go through some headquarters that are going to look at the geographic location that you want to open a Starbucks and they're not going to let you open a Starbucks next door to another Starbucks. Right. Whereas CrossFit is not the case. You can literally open a CrossFit beside another CrossFit and get licensed to do so because the, uh, founder believes that, you know, he wants free competition and what he like back to the topic of safety, he firmly believes that if you are running a business, uh, that is hurting people and you know, you're not taking care of people that ultimately your business will fail. And the businesses that are doing things well and have systems in place to prevent, you know, the high risks of injury and, and, and get results for people. They, people are going and getting what they actually wanted and what they're paying for, those businesses will thrive and grow. And that will therefore make CrossFit better as opposed to trying to go and regulate the whole thing. He says, let the market clear out the crap. And let the strong survive so that's that's essentially what what's supposed to happen is it happening i think it's a difficult question to answer you know
2: that sort of beautifully goes into sort of the nourished ape idea it speaks to survival of the fittest mm-hmm. i like that yeah the, the idea of the nourished ape is that we're trying to figure out how we can best live and evolve as human beings so can you tell us a little bit why crossfit is going to help us evolve in positive ways as humans
1: sure easily shot, it, I mean. it,
3: it's gonna it, it's taking regular people who are who are typically desk bound you know with their jobs or whatever you know uh, certainly a lot of our clients are, you know they've got Quite high level jobs and they they spend multiple hours a day at a desk in meetings or whatever. So it's it's starting to take them through new ranges of movement that they've never been through or that they might have never done ever. You know, even though they might have been going to the gym for the last ten years, the fact that they didn't really do much lower body works or squats, deadlifts, you know, or anything that most people wouldn't have done any of the 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 sort of kipping gymnastics that we used, which. Gets a lot of stick, but it's very good for, for opening up your body, putting you into a better range of motion if you do that again in a safe way. Um, but, it, but what I find is, is a great thing with CrossFit is because you become friends with the people who are at the gym and you see that guy who can do this and then someone will refer you to, oh, go and look at this website and that'll teach you how to do that. Um, or oh, go and look at like uh, this mobility video and that'll teach you how to do stuff at home, right? The amount of Crossfitters that, or people who do CrossFit in a CrossFit gym who go and do self sort of stuff at home extra, I bet it's like way beyond it's ever been, right? People just doing their own mobility work or their own stretching routines or paying for online mobility programs to add that in extra. I think it, it makes people start to learn a lot more about how they should move how you know why they're doing what they're doing and not just like go to the gym and, and do the same thing that they're doing every single week mm-hmm. I think for me I think that's one of the one of the better things that you find you know if you mention to most people in the gym who you know certain people are they'll go and check them out online you know we've got, you've got gurus who are into your gymnastics gurus who are into your mobility drills into your weightlifting, and everybody kind of follows these people on social media they read on their articles
0: and stuff and they're learning a lot more about how they couldn't do to help themselves for sure that's probably the one of the most appealing things to me personally is the community aspect uh i can tell you know i can see it just being an outsider that you guys have a strong community and network it, it's a tribe and you can't say that with a lot of other types of extra stuff, fitness uh, areas and sports and whatnot yeah. you can't really well for me i think it's been a i've just moved to canada um about three four months ago Welcome.
3: um thank you and i was living out in the middle east so like i have no you know no connections in canada whatsoever i sent julian an email that's how we kind of met right so for me coming over like as far as like a community comes you know i've met so many people compared to like if i'd just gone to a, a normal job and I was doing something different then I you know my my network would be so much smaller my fiance arrived like a month after me and within a month she got a job from all the people helping her out within the gym right so there's a big community it's like if if you you know if somebody will know somebody a contractor to do any work on your house somebody will be a financial investor somebody will be you know working as a lawyer or whatever so you have there's so many connections that you make through that and it's the way that the workout, the way that the, the gym operates in the workout is, it's you're all doing the same
0: thing together at the same time. So you, you know, you're interacting on a on and a and you're and you're with people sense. who are taking it seriously, who are in that mindset. Yeah, you'll probably have a lot of people who are who have been or who are higher level athletes in the room with you. So you know, you're yeah, doing... and just
1: successful people generally. Like I mean, I'm like I, I'm not gonna start listing it off, but there's just people working out at the gym that are really, you call it the 1%, the 1.11%, you know, people that are influential in the city of Toronto, as well as just a lot of professionals, whether they're surgeons or lawyers or, you know, um, entrepreneurs, developers, builders, they're, they're people who are type A's and very successful. And when you're around that, you can't help, but rise above your, like you just, I firmly believe, and and this this is in all aspects aspects of life, but you you start to become a little bit more like the people you surround yourself with, and so you know if you took, it's easy to measure like this this phenomenon is easy to measure from a numbers perspective. So you know you can just visualize this scenario if you had like, you know, a millionaire hanging out with. For billionaires, slowly that millionaire will become closer to a billionaire because he just starts to absorb the tactics and mindset of a billionaire. And it's not to say that should be your goal to be a billionaire, but I'm saying, like, if you're around people who are generally hardworking, successful, think big, then you'll start to adopt that way of thinking yourself. And I think CrossFit it is a challenging workout and it attracts people like that. People who want more people who like the challenge, people who take the harder road in life. And I know I'm kind of contradicting your, your Wu Wei thing. Was it Wu Wei? Yeah. I listened to your Wu Wei and I was like, ah, that sounds really good. I want a piece of that action. I want some Wu Wei in my life. So I'll give that a try. But um, yeah, I'm still on the, I'm still on the, um, of the belief that you need to work hard to achieve things. Um, so,
2: I'd like to speak to that a little okay. bit. I want to hear your honest opinion. You're probably going to think I'm a giant wimp. Yeah. So, I'm prone to type A tendencies. Okay. And so, this past year, I was in massage school. Really crazy schedule. I and went through a breakup. Like, just crazy life. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to do CrossFit. That's what <laughs> I really need to go do. So, I was like given her... I'm highly caffeinated most of the time. Like, don't need to be... And burn myself out pretty bad. So, really?
1: just from doing art classes? Well, no, I don't want to say that. Yeah. I
2: think probably sleeping four hours a night was a huge well, yeah. part yeah. of it. So, I would never say was Cross yeah. it was CrossFit, but adding a very intense, volume heavy workout, I was doing other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did burn myself out. And sure. at the same time, I was experimenting with, I was like, I'm going to try a keto, I'm going to ketogenic diet. Yeah, yeah. Um, all these things that in retrospect, I'm like, ooh maybe as a woman and jacking up my cortisol levels consistently and kind of messing with my hormones and not yeah. sleeping, I might've overdone it. Sure. So then that led to me just kind of not doing stuff
0: for a little while. That's, so
1: that's, sorry, that's good honesty. Yeah, know. And you see that, you see that, um, you'll see people that just running on cortisol, the type A's running on cortisol. We we're not going to name anybody, but Darren <laughs> knows who I'm talking about. You know, we've got some high-level athletes that are also really successful in the workplace and and also very successful in their social life, or very active, I should say. And you know, you've know you got, say, those three corners, you, or it's a triangle, let's say, and you've got your, your profession, you've got your CrossFit, and you've got your social life. And if you're going to go hard on all three, you're going to burn gonna out. Give. Something's going to give. And it's fine to do it in your twenties, but if you've read any books on adrenal fatigue, the various levels, the various stages, you know that the first stage of adrenal fatigue, the first and second phase of adrenal fatigue, stage one and stage two feel fantastic because you're running on, you're running on cortisol and cortisol feels great. It's like a drug, right? But eventually those adrenals, as you get into your thirties, they start to burn out and they can't pump out the cortisol that they used to. And then your energy levels drop and your sleep gets disrupted. And there's all these other side effects that turn negative. And then you've got to dig yourself out of that ditch. Right. So which from my understanding
2: got, is not an easy ditch to dig out of. No,
1: it's, it's the same as metabolic damage. Like people that have dieted very hard with calorically restrictive diets or people who consumed a lot of sugar when they were younger and have damaged their livers these things take a long time to fix you know yeah Yeah.
0: and that's like i say I i think that's very honest and i think that's the approach a lot of people need to have is when you're assessing what you did you know you're the short time you were there how it affected how it made you feel factors in your own life that maybe were affecting it sleep food all that and I think that leads into like maybe criticisms where like maybe some people are knocking on the sport or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I watched a video the other day because I wanted to research and there was this uh, personal trainer who was talking about CrossFit and how she had done it for like a month. She hated it because you know they threw in there they told her just do all these reps, whatever, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. All these stories. And I think from from my understanding, what I would like to see is people going in and having a good assessment of themselves individually. What do you want? What are you looking for? Do you know yourself as a person? Are you healthy now as it is? What's your routine? Do you have any aches and pains? Really get to know your body mm-hmm. and then go from there and it can help with the preparation. Yeah. I think taking it towards, well, oh, I was in there and it ruined me and this is why I did it. And this is what happened because that guy was pushing me. I, I think we get too much into that yeah. rather than the other end. Definitely. definitely gets a lot of stick.
3: And you've definitely got to treat each CrossFit gym individually because... It's not, it's not regulated, there's nothing, as long as you've done your CrossFit certification, then you can go and coach, and as long as you've got, in fact, as long as you're doing your certification, you can go and open a gym, so you don't, you don't need to have any experience, which, it's a bad thing, but it enabled, the, it enabled the CrossFit community to grow on a faster rate than it would have done if you had to have two years experience, let's say, or whatever. So, you've got to treat each gym, each gym individually, and you've got to maybe check out the coaches and see what they're up to, you know, what's their lifestyle what's their background how are they approaching it is it just like they're just hitting hitting the gym and making people do all these workouts or you know do they understand you know what needs to be done
0: because you're you're like uh like a mechanic looking at a car you know you're gonna see a movement and be like "Ah, you know you gotta you know do this or you know raise your legs in that fashion and then you're helping again to me the instructions critical here mm-hmm. because you guys are the experts you guys have been doing this for most of your life fitness and, and health and stuff like that strength and conditioning and you've seen what works what doesn't so again you're looking at a person and you know you're there to instruct and guide them and i think that's where you can see success in crossfit
3: yeah it definitely works because you don't you don't have that person just going to the gym by themselves doing their own thing and they never know if they've got any better most of the people who i you know, let's say critique on form, they don't realise that they're doing something wrong, you know, they think they're doing it right. And and that's not that's just not understanding the movement correctly or not being able to feel the body properly, right? And and again it's like if you're coming in and doing your, your one hour a day three times a week, then maybe you're not exploring them positions as often as you might mm-hmm. you should be to know to understand them hundred
0: percent. If you're not sleeping, if you if your well, diet is crap, Yeah, this
3: is like, you know, you can go on to all the different, all the different routes of what people don't do, that to align with their goals of what they actually want or what they say they want and what they don't do. So like I'm, I'm training hard to try and you know get to the CrossFit regionals. Uh, I'm nowhere, I'm nowhere like I, w- I wouldn't class myself as an as an elite athlete, but I'm, I'm my lifestyle is the same as 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 most elite elite athletes that what I know of, right? I'm up at four thirty in the morning. I'm bed at eight thirty at night. Right? So like. And then in between the day, I'm making sure I'm eating properly. I'm trying to take a nap if I can, and I'm training, you know, three to four hours a day. And then they look at, and then some people look at, at that, what I, what I can do in the gym, and like, oh, why can't I do that? You right. know, and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. how does your day look, right? You know, yeah. and that's the kind of difference you've got to be. Um, so I want to hear,
2: I want to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk a bit about Weston Price. Yeah, I just want to say too, it's like people need to take personal. Responsibility for what they're doing. Definitely. Like she said, this this woman you're quoting did cross it for a month. You know, that's in no way enough time to gauge anything, I think. And as a, just some of the things that came up with um, when people were giving me flack for certain things I was doing, it's like people get injured all the time doing anything. anything. Yeah. So as a yoga teacher, I look around a room when I'm a student and I'm like, as a teacher, I would never let someone do that posture because it's just so precarious and they're putting so much load on their spine and I yeah, so I, I think we can be critical of any sport or or
3: activity yeah. really and, Definitely. and and if and you're trying to take it to a higher level as well, then there's no there's no higher level athlete that doesn't get injured at some point in their career, right? Not
2: so, to say I'm a high level athlete, but I've been no. injured so many times and <laughs> yeah. learned from injuries so yeah, many yeah, times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean the analogy I always draw is and when we're on this topic of injuries and in CrossFit is that any sport, if you want to push it to the extremes is going to really increase the likelihood of injury. And we do our best, especially, you know, with athletes say like Darren, who is pushing it to the extremes, we're doing everything we can to reduce the likelihood of injury. Like he spends so much time, Prepping for every workout, mobilizing for every workout, doing all kinds of prehab to what we call prehab, which is just like um, doing certain remedial exercises, subs- subsidiary exercises to um, make sure that the body is aligned and balanced and and, and it can can tolerate the loads that it's going to be that are going to be imposed on it. So we do a lot of work to try and prevent injury. but once you're pushing the envelope of what the human body is capable of, you know, you're going to run into issues potentially. And you'll see that as we just said throughout every sport, right? Like that's why there are so many chiros and physiotherapists that do that's why there's something called sports medicine. There's a whole career there, right? There's a whole specialty, but if you want to go and you just want to get a good fitness level, and we talked about what CrossFit is, and it's sometimes hard to put your finger on, but what we can say is what CrossFit isn't. Okay. And CrossFit isn't going to the gym, texting on your phone, socializing between movements, uh, sitting on a machine where nothing's being activated in your core, that none of these movements are going to translate to anything that you can do in real life. And CrossFit isn't not getting results. Okay. CrossFit will get you fit if you stick with it. CrossFit will make you better at moving in real life. CrossFit will make you stronger. CrossFit will make you fitter. There's so many things that, in my opinion, coming from a world before, like I was well into the fitness industry before I got into CrossFit, and the results that I see in the CrossFit gym far exceed anything that I saw when I was working at Good Life. Like, I mean, it was really rare at Good Life. I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's like really rare at Good Life to see a, a girl walk into this into the um, area with the weights, and do a pull-up. At my gym, no one looks twice. All the girls do pull-ups. It's normal. It's probably if you one, do pull-ups, it's, it's like, one out of a thousand You need to, you women. Need to practice on your pull-ups. And, right? it's, and it's not that the women coming in are genetically special. No, we have a method methodology, and the human body is capable of amazing things, and we see that all day long in the CrossFit but going back to the the original point I wanted to make is that if you want to say ski on the weekends, right. And, you know, just go to blue mountain, have a good time with your friends and family, you know, the likelihood that you're going to require a knee surgery, that you're going to tear your ACL are pretty low. Like I skied, um, even I actually competed. I, I raced throughout high school, slalom GS. I never tore out my knee. Okay. But, if you want to be on the national team for Canada, go look at the stats. No one's been on the Canadian National Alpine Ski Team for more than for for any for if you're on there for more than 2 years, the chances that you will require a knee surgery are 100%. Wow. Is that true? Yeah. It's 100%. 100%. So that's that's sport at the elite level. Yeah. yeah. Right? But,
3: but take that back to like what you're talking about CrossFit and injuries and stuff like that. As a general training program, it's it's it's. I don't think it's an injury-prone training program. I, there's maybe been a couple that I can think of that I've worked with directly that have ended up with injuries that don't allow them to train, right, for, a, let's say, over a, a month or something like that. Maybe it's a little bit of time rehabbing and then you're coming back. But you've got it, like you said, you've got to take the ownership themselves, right? Because I can look at somebody moving and it can, it can look well, but I don't know if they're feeling yeah. a pain anywhere, right? And... I do, I get it a lot where people say to me, like, oh, coach or Darren, my knee's hurting me. And I'm like, okay, what, what's wrong? You know, where's it hurting? He's like, oh, it's hurting when I do this. I'm like, okay, let's, you know, just, just miss it out. Just leave it. And then like, oh no, no, I want to do it. And it's like, okay, why did you tell me it's hurting you then? Like, if you're not willing to take what I'm saying on board and actually stop it. It's like, you're trying to distinguish with, is it worth doing an extra 10 squats, for instance, just so you can go home and feel like you've done everything properly? Or should you just stop doing that because it's hurting a little bit? Maybe it's just something that just needs overnight sleep and it's fine, right? You have or to just be go humble. Yeah, you definitely. Humble. Oh, definitely. And and the, and in my training it like that's hard for me to be humble as well, because when you're trying to chase a goal, like it you always want to chase it, you always want to do it and you know that you know, you know that everybody's training hard to try and achieve a similar goal or within that circle of of, uh, of the sport. So you've got to keep trying to push it and push it. But if you're just trying to be fit, then what does it matter, you know, just, just swap that out for something else and go and you know, go and Mm -hmm. do something else. It's not going to, it's not going to harm you for that day, you know?
2: Yeah. I, I like you were saying it's compared to other things you had done. This made you stronger. You saw a lot of, uh, just amazing benefits with CrossFit. Mm -hmm. For example, I became a way more functional massage therapist just by doing it for the short period I did. So as someone who's done so much yoga, has too, way too much mobility, after a couple months, my forearms were crazy. Like, it was unbelievable. I was able to do my job much better. Right. And neck pain I had had for 20 years was gone. Right. So it's, I, I saw huge benefits. I didn't care if I could do a pull-up, but to not have chronic pain, Mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. 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 That's, That's it. That, that can
3: be, you know, everybody's goals are completely different. Yeah. To, to, to just feel good every day when you work and get out of bed and not, have any pain you know that's a goal yeah. just the same as a goal to get to the olympics for somebody else's you know and, and that's yeah doesn't matter what it is as long as you're achieving it
1: the last thing i'll say is uh the influence that crossfit's had like you know you look at what the typical personal trainer outside of crossfit now does in their sessions yeah. and they're all doing like bits and pieces okay. of crossfit and yet they're knocking it but the, it's it's the reason they're doing it is because it works and you know I can say I, I was already doing um, a lot of things right before I got into CrossFit but now having been doing CrossFit for a number of years, I'm 42 years old and I'm fitter now than I was in my 30s. By every measure. That's actually a good I'm point. I'm stronger. I can, I can, like I wrote a 2K in like 641 which is a measure of your aerobic power, aerobic base. If someone said, Hey, you want to go run a 10 K tomorrow, I could do it. I don't have to train for it. So it's that broad based fitness that just makes you truly fit. And that's something that we haven't discussed in this podcast, but you know, what is the definition of fitness? No one ever really tried to come up with a true definition of fitness before Greg Glassman with his, with his, the definition that he came up with. And then he came up with a prescription to try and achieve that definition, how do you increase your fitness? So, you know, he came up with CrossFit to say, this is what fitness is. And this is the prescription for getting it right. And that in itself, I don't think there's no perfect definition and, and, and there's maybe other acceptable ones out there, but no one ever tried to come up with like a measurable definition and he was the first. And I think that's the biggest contribution that he's made to the fitness world
0: yeah i totally agree with that it's like uh psychology is the same way it's like they just you know what's what's good mental health is the absence of problems right mm-hmm. what's what's good fitness absence of uh being unfit absence of fat or whatever being unhealthy right that's not a measure right it's, not,
1: it's just it's like what is absence mean yeah. right like there's no way to put it but Finger on that.
0: I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the types of activities that you guys do in CrossFit, like you said, used in other places. I was at a gym, um, it's a major uh, coutures, like extreme couture. Sure, I was there. Like oh,
1: gyms geez. these days, whether they call themselves yeah. CrossFits or not, you walk in and it looks like a it crossfit. Looks like a- They've got squat racks everywhere, bumper plates, kettlebells, and you know, rings, and like you know, all this stuff. You, if you, if you, I can remember what gyms used to look like, and they didn't look like that. They were full of treadmills, you know, and one treadmill, like a commercial level treadmill, yeah, costs, costs like you. seven to ten thousand dollars. Do you know how much CrossFit equipment you can get for ten? 10- Ten thousand, right? So yes. you get yourself a really kick-ass gym for ten thousand dollars, right? Absolutely,
0: and we're seeing it, like I said, in, in, in different sports. So, like, I follow MMA a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. So in MMA, they're doing those type of principles too. Right. They got to They got to fight five rounds. That's an extreme. You know, that's yeah. a lot of endurance required. A lot of intensity. It's a perfect sport. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Before we get into Weston Price, one thing I know I wanted to to get across to everyone is like. You know we trying to define what CrossFit is, and you know one of the things that we lo- were reminded of recently, Darren and I were on a, a course with someone that's kind of made made a lot of waves in the CrossFit community recently. This guy Julian Pino, and he's he's pointed out that hey, you can you can be true to the definition of CrossFit and do um, extremely difficult, tough, demanding workouts that push you to your limit. But are extremely safe at the same time, you know? Very so, simple. So, so, simple so like interval in intervals. intervals on an assault bike. I mean, just murder you, but there's zero risk of injury, right? Um, same murder you from the standpoint of they're very I don't want to use the word murder, challenging. So that, that yeah, is an very, injury. very challenging, right? But the next day you you're sitting there with no pain and you're like, wow, I could have gone harder. Or pushing a prowler or dragging a sled or doing bear crawls, these are things that will make you really, really fit and have no risk of injury and there's still CrossFit because it's still functional movement performed at high intensity, right? So you can make, you can do CrossFit and that's why we go back to Darren's point which is that it's really buyer beware. You can go from, you know, run the gamut when you walk into a CrossFit, you could be dealing with a complete bunch of ignorant yahoos as coaches or you could be dealing with some of the brightest minds in strength and conditioning today and anything in between. Right. So what do you get at CrossFit metric? I'll tell you, (laughs) like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really proud of my team and I'm really proud of, you know, coaches like Darren. Like it's just, I think I'm offering people something amazing. I'm excited with what it is that I'm offering because if I like, before I owned this gym, before I got into CrossFit could have, Gotten the opportunity to get coached by someone with the knowledge and skill set that Darren has at the price that is affordable in a class setting, that's amazing. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Cause the average the average person going to a gym, paying what they're paying, they're not getting a fraction of what they can get from being under the eyes and tutelage and running the programming that he's writing, you know? So I you know, put in that context, I think it's it's awesome. Awesome to have the CrossFit community out there. It's just a matter of finding the right coaches and finding the right the right gym.
0: I think you said it. Yeah, that's that's absolutely. Let's let's touch on nutrition real quick because I know we're we're all interested in that topic. I mean, we love talking about it. What was the gentleman that you told us to kind of read and, and touch upon? What was the name?
1: Yeah. So Weston Price um, is my biggest influence as far as um, nutritional principles. Both my wife and I follow and. I should, I should mention my wife's a naturopathic doctor and I think one of the biggest differences between CrossFit Metric and some of our competitors or just some of the other offerings that are out there in the fitness industry is that you know whenever somebody comes into the gym, it's recommended that they do a consult with, with Michelle because she can really give them um, guidance as far as that aspect of, of the life which is really important to your overall health, which is your nutrition. And it, it extends beyond that. She teaches you a lot about, you know, toxicity in the environment and how to manage stress and you know, how to get better sleep and all those lifestyle so aspects that helped. are outside of the gym that really should be addressed more. If people want to optimize their health, I think the people are chasing fitness. People are chasing that beach body and they want to do the hard workouts, but there's not nearly enough emphasis put on. Sleep the stuff, the, distance, the, the, yeah, the
3: biggest one of the biggest. Thing. Yeah,
1: stuff outside the gym, and you know, uh, just because someone is a good athlete and they're good at CrossFit, doesn't mean that they're able to pass on, uh, or or set an example when it comes to these nutritional principles that are that are really important for people's overall health. And I think going back to Greg Glassman, he was really smart when he created his pyramid of fitness in terms of what you should be prioritizing, um, on your path to optimal health. And at the base of that pyramid is nutrition, right? Before you even step in the gym, you should be addressing that. And so when someone comes into the gym and they tell me what their goals are, I say like, you can work out all you want, but unless you're going to address the nutritional side of things, um, you're not going to get the results that you're after, you know? So, I think that's something that the community itself has done a great job, like advancing principles of paleo, which are like traditional way of eating that eliminates a lot of the inflammatory foods, et cetera. But at the affiliate level, I think people could do more. And so for our part, we've, every year we've, we've had these um, nutritional seminars that my wife gives and that are accessible to the entire bit members they can bring their friends and they can learn what paleo nutrition is. Um, but getting back to Weston Price, I know I just went off on a tangent there, but getting back to Weston Price, um, the reason w- he's a little bit different than paleo because he's saying that, look, there. Like if you look at paleo, one of the things they're saying is don't consume dairy and don't consume grains. And Weston Price's research in the 1920s was able to find certain groups around the world that were eating, consuming a lot of dairy and consuming a lot of grains and had superior health. And so you can consume those foods, but in their modern form, it's difficult to get them in the way that they were traditionally consumed, mm. right? And we should we should actually, for the audience, we should actually just say who Weston Price was. I don't know if you want to go if you know You a little might bit know around.
2: you can correct me if I'm wrong. My understanding, so in the nineteen twenties he went around the world to look at Canadian. Yeah, Canadian. he was originally
1: Canadian. He's from Ontario somewhere, yeah.
2: Looking at mostly traditional cultures that were, there were still way more of them in the 20s. He was looking at people that had amazing bone structure, healthy teeth, foundational things in their anatomy that were um, just who was strongest and what, what was their diet. Mm-hmm. And like you said, a lot of them were drinking a lot of raw milk. Mm-hmm. It was uh, a lot of animal products, bone broths.
0: Organs and stuff. Organ meats, yeah. Organ meats, absolutely. So. Yeah, he was finding correlations between uh, their dental work, because he was a dentist, Mm. and their life and overall. Like, if a person had diabetes, he would conclude that, oh, well, it's because they weren't having this and this in their diet, and you could tell because their teeth look like this. Right. So he would kind of draw those. Yeah. So the health of their mouth was
1: a window into uh, their overall health, right? But, I mean, the, the thing a lot of people don't know about Weston Price is that he was a true scientist, right? He didn't go in and form pre-established, like, I mean, the China study is a good example, right? Like, the China study, the guy was, like, Colin Powell, whatever his name is. Definitely you know. wasn't Colin Powell. Not Colin, it's something. It's it's. So, I know. Um, it's something. Colin Powell's the general, sorry, but, like, what is... Uh, it's, I think it's Colin something, anyways. The guy that wrote the China study, he actually was a vegan before he formed these theories and he came up with, he, he, he analyzed the data in a way that basically um, already fulfilled his pre existing beliefs as opposed to just looking at the data and coming up with conclusions based on his observations, right? And
2: just to interject for a moment, that's what adamant vegans tend to quote the china study which right. has been proved to be junk science right at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah like there was there was uh, denise munger denise minger sorry if you want to check out her blog it's called raw foods sos and she was like uh, a vegan who whose faith health failed her and i've seen oh i've been doing this for 10 years and i've seen a lot of vegans who you know they feel great for the first you know three weeks or a month or a year because they've gone off like a typical sad north american diet of mcdonald's and processed foods and they start eating fresh vegetables and they feel great well you should feel great if you stop eating trans fats and sugars and and msg and you start eating some broccoli and some fruit and stuff but it's not necessarily the optimal diet the optimal diet should include a lot of fat soluble vitamins and that's sort of what Weston price really established, he didn't, he didn't go into the sort of research of nutrition with the idea that, um, this would be the best diet. He was wondering what the best diet is. So he just, he just noticed in his dental practice that more and more of his patients were coming in with deformations in terms of their jaw structure with cavities in their teeth. And he, and he was wondering why it was that their overall health was starting to deteriorate relative to when he started his practice at the turn of the century. Over a period of 20 years, as a dentist, he saw the decline of the health of his patients. And he was really disturbed by this and he wondered why this was And He'd seen, he'd heard through the grapevine that there were like these traditional cultures who had perfect teeth and they didn't have dentists, they didn't have braces. Why were their teeth so well aligned? So him and his wife, who was a nurse, decided, hey, let's let's look into this. And they took 10 years away from the practice and traveled the world. And they looked at over 150 different traditional indigenous groups and very scientifically analyzed the state of their health and what it was that they were eating. And then he had a control group in terms of, from a scientific standpoint, he had the control group because he would look at what he called similar genetic stocks you have a tribe who was still untouched by civilization there were no uh, roads entering the area so everything that they consumed uh, was you know from their local environment and then then there would be people from that same tribe that had sort of moved to the ports in the area and were now consuming a different diet and so he would have control groups and he'd be like okay well They're the same genetics, but one group's completely deteriorating in health and the other group isn't. Mm. And then he would analyze both their diets. And the book, his book, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration is fascinating, but almost gets repetitive and boring because he just goes all over the world and each chapter covers a different indigenous group. And it's the same story over and over again. If you eat what you were genetically designed to eat that was in your natural surroundings, your health would be amazing and as soon as you started eating what he called the displacing foods of modern commerce such as flowers, vegetable oils sure. canned goods sugar your health would deteriorate right and and the the, the the scary prediction was that you know if if humanity continued down this path where they were just continuing to replace these natural foods with these um, manufactured foods that their health would deteriorate to the point where they were unable to reproduce. And that's, that's the best indication that your health is failing, that you can't even reproduce because that should be like, you know, arguably one of the most basic things that a human species should be able to do if its survival. health is good. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, it's predicated on the survival that you can actually reproduce. And this is where it is, we're at that point in, in my, in my observation and certainly my wife is just inundated with couples coming to her that can't conceive.
2: It's, be, it's a huge and, issue. And it's,
1: not, and it's not like I'm criticizing those people. I'm just observing what this situation is.
2: Well, back to adrenal fatigue for a second. That's a huge part of this. I, I believe, I'm not a scientist, for women, if your hormones are messed up, if you're, if you're in a state of stress, your body doesn't want to reproduce. Right. Yeah. Well,
3: you very much used to
0: sleep when it was dark. Wake up when it's light. Now, like, how yeah. many people yeah. do that? The no. number of factors is, is incredible. Um, I remember reading the cat study he did, um, yeah. and that was pretty incredible. Yeah, that's
1: Pottinger. It's someone oh. else who actually, oh, those are different. Okay, yeah, someone else who was very influenced by the work of Wesson Price and was also a scientist did the cat study where he he had like five different groups of cats and he followed them over three different generations. So he bred the cats and looked at the cats. Evolving over three different generations and he looked at he fed each group different diets one was fed raw milk raw meat And then like on the other end of the spectrum they were getting cooked and pasteurized Mm -hmm. milk Mm -hmm. and the group getting these These pasteurized foods basically degenerated over time to the point where you know their bone structure changed their behavior changed Their energy levels changed the women became extremely aggressive the men became extremely docile you kind of see that in society right now, so, so, so women are very aggressive and the men don't even wear pants anymore, you know? So that's kind of happening. And certainly people's jaw structures and bone structure has changed to the point where women all need C-sections to have babies because their hips don't work anymore. And everyone needs braces because uh, the, the, the aren't formed properly. And there's scientific research explaining exactly why that is. And, uh, Weston price was a pioneer to actually figure out why that was happening. And the big message, and this is the big message that I'd love everyone to know is that one of the reasons why we need the animal foods and why it is dangerous to be a vegan, isn't what's traditionally thought out there. Like most people think the problem with the vegan diet is that you're not getting enough protein. That's not it. There is enough protein in animal, in, in in plant-based foods. What you're missing is the fat-soluble vitamins A, D, and K. And there's a lot of misconceptions around what A is. Like There's carotenoid A's versus retinol A's. And so you can get your carotenoid vitamin A from things like carrots and stuff. But the preformed stuff that you find in your eyes that's stored in your liver, that's essential to your immune function, that's essential to your overall health, only comes from animal fats and is stored in animal fats, and the same thing goes for vitamin D. There's no plant-based source of vitamin D, um, and there's an, and you you know the vegans will say, "Well, just go go hang out in the sun." Well, but in the winter there is no vitamin D coming from the sun.
2: Yeah, we can't possibly get enough. We
1: can't get enough, so you're supposed to get it from your food, you know, and you're not going to get it from from some spinach, right?
0: There's one thing I wanted to actually that reminded me of. Um, I have to bring up my dog again is that I got my dog last year so he's a a little bit over a year old and I did research with food the first dog I ever had now it's really hot with dog food because everybody's a lot of people are going towards raw dog food which Mm. is raw meats and stuff like that So feeding their dog's liver I I started feeding my dog raw food he eats better than me he has (laughs) obviously he's got the protein but it's actually it's only like you know 18% protein it's all about the fats the liver the heart and all this you know yeah. I had heard somewhere when wolves hunt, the alpha wolf gets the liver. Oh, oh so have witnessed he's that so much, like, You know, you watch these
1: shows like wild, wild, like, you know, these shows on safaris and you, you know, they follow the hunt and everything. And so you come up with these preconceived ideas. And I don't know if you, you guys think this, but like, you know, if a lion makes a kill, what it does, you'll see it all the time. They go for the throat. They clamp down on the throat, and then they make the animal stop breathing, and then the animal dies, and after the animal's dead, then they eat the animal. And they eat it a certain way. But I actually was on safari, and I actually was in, in Masai Mara, which is a national park in Kenya, in which is in uh, East Africa, and I saw a, a lion, a male lion, take down a wild boar, and I watched the whole thing. And it's humbling to see that because you see in nature that it's not about morality it's about survival and whatever allows you to survive is it's amoral it's not good or bad it just is and the lion actually just so powerfully just spread its claws which are like literally like each is like the size of your index finger and it sinks in like a meat hook so at that point and it spreads like when when the when the claw spread when the paw spreads it might be this size to start but by the time it spreads it's it's talent. It's this. It's, it's a print this big, and it sinks those hooks in. And even though that wild boar was a big, powerful animal, it was going nowhere. Once that lion had pinned it, and it pinned it, and it just started eating from the from the groin upwards. Right. I heard that a lot. It ate. It so ate. Well. It was a male wild boar, so it it ate the privates first, <laughs> right? And then from that bleeding area, it went in through the gut, ate all of the intestines and then it worked its way up to the heart and liver, ate the liver, and had its fill. Left the rest of the animal for the rest of the pride that was all crowded around. Wow. And every time the rest of the pride would get a little close, he would just go like that, roar at them, and everyone would step back, he would finish eating. And just to show you that, like what is the most nutrient-dense part of the animal? We're is, just a bunch of the, eating the breasts. Yeah, yeah. the chicken it's breast nothing is in nothing in there, man. It's just I pure watched- protein. But there's no other nutrients, right? Yeah. And the body doesn't run on pure protein.
0: I watched a guy and he was a fitness guy on YouTube, right? That was his job. I mean, a lot of hits and everything. He's preparing his meals. And I'm watching him prepare his meals and chicken he's like, rice. Brown rice. Oh, yeah. Chicken breast. Oh, here's a little extra fat. Cut that out. Cut that out. Let's yeah. get the chicken breast, right? Let's get the broccoli. And I'm just it's like. Warped. So in,
3: in some of, like, back to my some of my military stuff, you, you do certain survival stuff. And they, they say in that that you can't survive off off rabbits because rabbits do not have enough fat in their body to, to too survive, enough. right? They're to, to far too, too much lean of a meat. So if you're in a survival situation or whatever and you've got to do it, you need to make sure you're going to be getting some other sorts of fat like from your fish or whatever if you can catch them. But rabbits alone, like, if you just ate rabbit as a meat, then... You could you eat the organs though? Well, I guess, fact. but it's not like enough. All <coughs> organ organs, <there>, you would <coughs> usually like you wouldn't use them enough. You wouldn't use them as much for eating because in the organs is where they could carry disease and all okay.
0: that kind of stuff, right. Right. Yeah. So,
1: um, I
2: feel like we could talk about this for the next three hours. I'm yeah. actually really tempted to yeah. kind of wrap up. I, I have um, a question actually about obtaining raw milk. Mm-hmm. Is that possible in Toronto?
1: Yeah, so the loophole is you can own a cow but as a co-op so so, no no so like there are these farmers that will take (laughs) that will take dairy farmers yeah that will take care of the cow and then syndicate the ownership of the cow so just what i mean by syndicate is just chop it up into say 10 pieces so 10 people will own that one cow. Mm. And be, that's a loophole around the law because it says as long as you own the animal, you can milk it and you can drink the milk from the tape. You just can't sell it. That commercially available milk has to be pasteurized. So it's not commercially available if you own the cow. You're just- cool. It's like yeah. hunters. So hunters
0: can hunt and give away meat. Yeah, like, they, can't, they sell can't sell
1: it, right? It. So one way to get raw milk is to get a, get a group of people together own that cow and then have someone else take care of it for you, the farmer, so to speak. So a bunch of farmers have realized, hey, there's a commercial opportunity there to, I own the cow anyways, I'll sell it to this one cow, officially sell it, quote, quote, to these 10 people, oh, wow. and all the milk that comes out of that cow, you know, there's a there's plenty of milk coming out of cow for like, I guess, 10 people. Um, I haven't actually done this, but I've heard you can do this. And fascinating thing about raw milk is, I personally have been dairy intolerant since my teens, um, whereby if I drink milk I get gas, I get acne. Um, I feel generally like crap. But I have had some cow milk and it's fascinating. Someone brought me a glass of, of cow milk that was raw and it smelled like the cow's tit. It really does smell like it smells like a barn. But I drank the whole glass and had no issues at all. Yeah, no no bloating, nothing. And it just shows you that, you know, what's the problem with dairy, and this is what Weston Price as an organization, the people who are trying to promote those principles um, are saying is that, you know, dairy is actually, most people would tolerate it, and it is a superfood if it's in its natural state, which is raw once you pasteurize the dairy you destroy a lot of the nutrients and the cofactors that allow you to assimilate those nutrients and that's where the problem is
0: that's awesome and and i think like information like that is just going to help out everybody in society like we're waking up to a lot of different things slowly. like you know just yeah slowly but just it's like coming, you know but slow <laughs> fat was bad salt was bad this was bad that was bad okay yeah. well, let's learn about it and reevaluate these things and see how we can better uh, our bodies and mind
1: yeah
2: Thank you guys so much for being here. That was Julian Hankey and Darren Thornton of CrossFit Metric. Um, yeah, if anyone has any questions about this issue, if you want to come on the podcast, let us know. Send us a shout out to the date Podcast at gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, take it easy. Eat lots of fat. Go to CrossFit. <laughs> thanks,
0: so thanks guys. For, thanks a lot for having us. No thanks. thanks. See ya.